All right, I want to start today with a, a video that was actually just recorded this past week. Uh, Paul David Tripp is one of the speakers you guys have seen before, uh, but they did an interview for him at a, at a breakfast for the uh, Hope for Orphans Ministry, which is the ministry that puts on this rooted material. And so I want to play just some clips of him talking about the gospel and then um, talking about uh, our role as parents and how kind of where we left off last time as parents, we're, we're called to to seek to reflect the love of God that we see in the gospel towards us as children. Towards, we've seen that in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. Uh, but he talks a little bit more about that, and so I want to let him um, kick us off this morning. That I'm meant to make the invisible authority of God the invisible presence of God, the invisible grace of God visible in the lives of my children. I'm the look on his face. I'm the tone of his voice. I'm the touch of his hand. What could be a holier calling than that? And I'm the tool on hand. Are you ready for this? For the forming of a human soul. Oh my goodness. I mean, what would rise in greater value and importance than that? So that ambassadorial calling is very important. And so I want to represent God well. I want my child, children to know I love them, to know that I'm a man of grace, that I'm faithful and patient and kind, because that's who God is. I want that. But I also know this. It's very dangerous for them to attach their identity to me. It's dangerous because there is a Messiah for my children. It doesn't happen to be Paul Tripp. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a poor, broken, horrible example of a Messiah. Uh, I'm a man in radical need of rescue every day. Unlike the Messiah, I need constantly to be rescued from me. And so I want, rather than children, uh, to look at me as uh, a painting and say, if I could just be like Dad, I want to be a window to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And... I want their attachment to be to Jesus. And I want to point them to Jesus and to the astounding grace and patience and love of the ultimate adoptive father, Jesus. I want my children to love Jesus. And, and one of the ways uh, to do that is is to depict to my children my need of Jesus and my rest in Jesus. Enough of self-righteous parenting. It crushes your children. Stop saying, in my day, I would have never. In your day, you were an idiot too. <laughs> Just own it. You did the dumbest things. It's just, it's just wrong. Uh, if you've yelled at your children, don't comfort yourself with self-justifying arguments as you walk down the hallway. Let the conviction of the Holy Spirit roll over your soul and go back to your child and say, your dad just did what he shouldn't do, and in doing that, your dad demonstrated how much he needs the forgiveness and the empowerment of the Savior, the Lord Jesus. I'm more like you than unlike you. Recognize that there's few struggles in the life of your children that you still can't find someplace in your own life. time, uh, the goal of parenting is not control of behavior. Um, 
if all you do is set up a neat system to control the behavior of your children, uh, when your children leave the home, they have nothing. Every year, thousands of supposedly Christian young people go off to residential universities and forsake the faith. I would propose to you, they're not forsaking the faith. They never had it in the first place. It's the faith of their parents. What comes out is the true condition of those children's hearts. Uh, parenting is about the heart. Because the theology of human functioning in the gospel is that we live out of the heart. The heart being the causal core of your personhood, the center of your thoughts and emotions and, and desires and intentions. Uh, your will. And so I'm, I'm always aware that lasting change in a child's behavior always travels through the pathway of the heart. I'm, I'm looking for opportunities to get at heart issues with my children. And, and I understand that they're blind to their own hearts because that's what sin does. Sin blinds you. Uh, and, and the most significant aspect of the blindness of sin is unlike physical blindness where a physical blind person knows they're blind Spirits of blind people are blind to their blindness. Uh, and so I, I want to be an instrument of seeing in the life of that child. I've, you know this is true. When you ask Johnny why he hit his sister Susie, he'll never say to you, because I'm a sinner. I've got violence resident in my heart and I need to be rescued from me. Parent, where can I find the Savior? <laughs> Never heard my kids say that. In fact, when Johnny, this is important, when Johnny, when I asked Johnny why he had Susie, who does Johnny talk about? Susie. Parents hear what I'm about to say, as long as your child is convinced that the biggest issues of his life the biggest dangers of his life exist outside of him and not inside of him. He is no longer interested in parenting, let alone God's grace, because he's telling himself, I don't need it. And so, I want to lead my child to understand the worst news ever. My biggest problem in life is me. Because until you accept the worst news ever, you'll never be excited about the best news ever. This is the way the gospel works. Only people who accept the bad news of the gospel run toward the good news of the gospel. That's the way it works. And so I want to get a child, I want to turn the camera away from situations, away from locations, away from other people, turn the camera toward the child, help the child to, to look at things they wouldn't possibly look at without me. That's the first thing. The second thing is that the central uh, life-shaping issue of the heart is worship. You see, often when we hear the word worship, we think Sunday morning, uh, a gathering, or if you go to a real cool church, Saturday night. Uh, and, and what you need to understand is, for we human beings, and this includes, includes your child, worship is first your identity before it's your activity. Your child is a worshiper. They don't just worship on Sunday. They worship their way through every moment of every day. You can almost argue that the only thing a human being ever does is worship. Because every word of your child, every decision of your child, every action of your child uh, is rooted in the worship of something. Uh, that's the, the exegesis of the gospel that is so incredible in Romans starts with this issue. Romans 1.25. You only have two options. You are giving your life in worship and service of the Creator or your life is shaped by worship and service of the creation. That's the only two ways any human being has ever lived. 
And so the central issue is worship. What right here, right now, is ruling the heart of the child? And the Bible connects character deficiency to idolatry. That means those moments when my child has been rebellious or been selfish or been violent are opportunities given to me by God to talk about the most significant issue in all of the human existence, worship. Are you listening to me? Don't get mad. Don't stomp down the hallway irritated. Think of what's happening. If your eyes ever see or your ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of your children, it's never an accident. It's never a hassle. It's never an interruption. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put them in a family of faith, and he will expose their need to you so you can be a tool of his rescue and redemption. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. Why would you get mad? I mean, I think that we need to own the reality that we get ripping mad because we actually have children that require parenting. And in that way, those moments expose the gospel. And that's the brilliance of God choosing people who need grace, to give grace to children who need grace. Because in those moments, when you have to surrender your leisure, or surrender uh, the job that you're doing at that moment, to the needs of your children, you are being graced. God is rescuing you from you, the great wise father is parenting everybody in the room. If you don't understand the centrality of the heart and you understand the central issue is the issue of worship, you will believe that you can do with the law what only grace can accomplish. And you will think, if I can only set up a neat set of rules with an accompanying set of enforcement, my children will be okay. If all your children needed was that, Jesus would have never had to come. I'm going to hurt your feelings here, but I think it's important to say, if you have reduced your function to being a lawgiver, a prosecutor, a judge, and a jailer, what you're doing is neither Christian nor parenting. It's just not. It's a failed system. And it's shocking to me how easy it is for us to abandon what we celebrate in services of worship in our homes with a relationship to children. If this is the way the Father rescues and redeems you, wouldn't that be your model for your children? audience here. Uh, do you see any concerns with a science-driven and a Christian-sensitive approach to training parents in the church? No, I, I've, I've said it already. We, we need to be uh, uh, aware of and knowledgeable of just the effects of the fall on our children and, and the the huge emotional, psychological disruption of not being with my natural birth parents. And we need to learn from people who study that. Uh, I think that's, that's appropriate. On the, on the other hand, we need to carry with that the, the significant and important things that the Bible says about how human beings function, about the impact of, of sin, the, the way that the heart works, this, this issue of worship. And, and so it's, it's, there's a way in which it's, 
it's wisdom, the best of wisdom of the world, you know what I mean by that, and the best of the wisdom of the word that combines together. That, and it's, it's very, very important. Um, and, and I want to say this, I, I think we, Luella and I, just didn't think in those ways. We just, we just thought, you know, it's true on one hand that God just brought Nicole into our house in a different way, and she was, from the foundations of the earth, chosen to be our child, and it would just be the same. And in that way, we were not believing in the richness of what we say we believe, that this is a broken world. And in its brokenness, you better understand the impact of that brokenness on human being thinking and desiring and choices and, and functioning. And then couple with that the, the beauty of the truths and the grace of the gospel. All right. So a lot of, a lot of things he, he covered there and... Before we get into our handout here, I just wanted to uh, give you guys an opportunity. What was, what was something that he said that maybe stood out to that stood out to you, or maybe it was just a really helpful? Uh, he's, he's got a, a, a real, real way with words and expressing things. But any, anything that struck you in particular, or maybe something a little different than you thought about it before? Yeah. I loved how he said that God's parenting all of us. Yeah. And like when we're teaching yeah. our kids, he's not only parenting me, but he's apparently parenting my children. Yeah. That's great. What else? Ripping man <laughs> when we recognize that our children actually need parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I thought maybe he had a hidden camera at our house or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he, had a, he had a hidden camera at me yesterday. What else? Oh. Yeah. The goal of parenting is not controlling behavior. Yeah. 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 I like the last statement where we talked about um, being open to secular studies. And, um, in my experience, it's given me, uh, how should I say this, some more insight than I might not have otherwise had, mm-hmm. some techniques. But I still think, even with that, those um, explorations, it still points you back to the gospel. And if you dive head first into those waters, else stood out to you guys? Yeah. The gist of, I don't know the exact words, but we're not the artwork to be gazed upon, but we're supposed yeah. to be a window that leads them to see yeah. Christ and become like him. Yeah. Yeah, he said something about, I'm, I'm a... I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the Savior and the Rescuer of my kids. You know, I want to lead them. You know, God, I'm praying God will use me to be that agent in their life. But, but uh, I think Russell Moore said at the last... Christian Alliance for Orphans, um, we need to get rid of our Messiah complex and we need to embrace the complexities of the Messiah, you know, and, and the real Messiah, uh, the, the Savior that we need. And I appreciate how we talked about how we need to keep pointing them that we need this, this Savior too as, as moms and dads. I think one of the continual themes through all variety of speakers has been um, really dispelling the notion of it, getting your kids Yes, we want that, but that's not the primary mm-hmm. thing. And I think that's new for a lot of mm-hmm. adopting families. I mean, we've been on the journey 20 years. Yeah. I've never heard that before. Yeah. And so that's really seeing everything through the lens of, of Scripture, which is what I love about this class, is uh, that it's taking all the knowledge and the 
information and then putting it through that lens to filter it through. That was good. Yeah. yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Just what you said at the end about like when they adopted their daughter, just like I didn't even think that there would be a difference when we adopted. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I would ever feel I didn't know, you know, like I didn't really think there would ever be a difference between my biological children and my adoptive children. It didn't cross my mind. And even understanding the gospel and adoption through the gospel, it didn't, I had no idea Mm -hmm. that it would be different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the judge, jury, jailer, jailer, prosecutor. Prosecutor. Back to that heart issue, you know, shepherd the heart mm-hmm. and the, the faith part of it. That we should be pointing them to Christ as the window, window portion of that. Mm-hmm. that. Um, otherwise, uh, it kind of struck a chord remembering a, a series that Carrie Hardy did about how to raise a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was not having that grace focus of having grace, but always trying to modify the behavior that will lead to that um, heart that's probably hard towards God mm-hmm. because we haven't shown shown our children then the God of grace who gives us grace every day. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's about grace upon grace mm-hmm. upon grace. Yeah. And I don't do that with my children. The one thing that stood out to me that you also don't hear a lot about is this whole concept of worship. Uh, and I think that, that might actually be a good thing to come back to is, as parents. What are we worshiping and then what are we idolizing? Brian Borgman, I think his was the first book uh, on, on parenting that I read that really talked about the idols of our own heart. And he talked about that when he was here also. But that's a, uh, I'd encourage you to read that chapter again in light of what he was talking about because uh, we want to help our children with the, but we, we need to, first of all, deal with some of the, the worship issues and idol issues in our own heart. So let's look at uh, this, this, some of the scriptures we have here. And what we've been doing, for those of you that haven't been with us the whole time, is we're, we're going through some of the material from Rooted. And uh, the Rooted group is the one who put on this video here. But we're also working our way through the scriptures. And we're right now in the sections of, of Proverbs through Isaiah. And so just this first part here, I'm just kind of categorizing some scriptures as I see them. The heart of Jesus understands our struggles and offers redeeming healing, and help. Who would like to read that part from Isaiah 40? Uh, Like a shepherd, he will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother with their young. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. So looking at that passage there, what are some things that can, that can help us uh, seeing how the Lord relates to us as we think about relating how, what the gospel has done for us, what, the, what Christ has done for us, that can help us and how we want to model that to our children? Gently. Yeah. It's interesting, the mother with their young. So he's, he actually has this gentle care leading leading mothers with their with their little ones. It's, it's the image of like a lamb or a, a sheep with, with its little lambs coming along with it, but it's, he's talking about his people here, uh, that he has a gentle care for, for mothers, a special care in his heart for their, for their little ones, but also for the mothers caring for them. What else in that text? He says a, it's like a rhetorical question, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Yeah. It's a rhetorical in the mm-hmm. way that it's like he does see your troubles. Mm-hmm. I like that first part there. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And uh, there's that's a, a physical, visible image there that we can seek to 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 model with our with our precious little ones. That they're precious to us. We're like a shepherd. We're carrying them. We're holding them close. They, they know that they're close to our heart. And then. If we ever feel weak, ever feel powerless, ever find new, ever need new strength, that's that promise there. 
He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. And I think what you do is you read that whole chapter, and that's, that's one of the fulfillments of how he does that, Isaiah 40. But Isaiah 53 is a familiar passage, but think about it in this context. Uh, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's well familiar with grief. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And so that's where I get that concept is that he's he redeemed... The most important thing he came to do is to redeem us, but he's, he also offers healing and help uh, for our griefs. He's, he's acquainted with them. He, he is, uh, Hebrews talks about how he knows our sufferings. He's been tempted in every way as we are, so he can give us help in our time of need. And so that's also why Christ came, um, not just to save us from our sin, but the effects of sin, the, the griefs, the sorrows, the, our need of peace, our need of healing. And then let's, let's read the Isaiah 61 out loud together. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to console, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. We could just stop there, but this is, this is ultimately Jesus speaking. So when he comes into the synagogue he grew up in in Nazareth, he reads this scripture, and then he goes and he sits down. And all the eyes of the place are on him, and he says, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And it says the people were marveling as these gracious words were, were coming from his lip. So Jesus is saying, this is, Isaiah is talking about, about me here. Jesus was sent. This is what he was sent to do, to, some of what he was sent to do, to heal the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to console, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and it goes on to talk about opening eyes to see and, and setting free those who are oppressed. And, and uh, so then the Lord calls His people to extend His ministry to those needing help and healing. And I want to play an example from Michael Monroe. This is just a couple-minute clip, but he talks about how with his own child, um, how God helped him to see that his own child was struggling with griefs and, and sorrows and, uh, and mourning, and then uh, how... Um, but he, initially it just looked like a, a behavioral um, meltdown, and so I want to play a little bit of, of that clip also. Many of our kids simply don't have the practice of being able to identify the feelings that they're, that they're feeling and then articulate their feelings. And frankly, many of our kids come from histories where no one was there to listen anyway. And so we have to be very mindful of the fact that these feelings are inside of our kid and they're swirling about uh, and, and yet they need us to help them identify those, give voice to those, and sometimes we have to really be willing to work through when sad looks mad to, to help them do that. I remember one time when our eight-year-old boy um, had become very upset because something didn't go his way. Now, as is often the case, this happened right before we were getting ready to walk out to go to church. Um, and it was a very inconvenient time. Everything inside me said, you know what, uh, he's got to get it together. We've got to be in a church on time, and not only that, we've got to be on church on time looking good. Uh, but I knew there was more going on in this case, and so uh, my wife and the other kids, they went to church, and I stayed back with him until he was able to calm down. It took nearly 30 minutes, and during that 30 minutes, um, let's just say he threw a pretty big tantrum. It was, it was really an ugly scene, and yet, when we got to the end of that 30 minutes, and he was able to stay calm, I was able to stay calm, uh, he was able to calm down because I, in part, had stayed calm, what I ended up finding out is that he had, had some really, really pervasive feelings of sadness. And that was what was driving the behavior, the unacceptable behavior. Once we were able to get him calmed down, we were able to remind him that we don't act that way. Even if we're feeling sad inside, instead we use our words. And when we use our words, mom and dad are going to listen, and we're going to help you, and we're going to talk with you, and we're going to listen to you. But we can't use our actions. We can't be ugly. We can't be disrespectful. We certainly can't throw tantrums and fits like that. But I just think it's important that for us as parents, and then we encourage other parents to remember that sad can often look mad, and we have to be there to both correct our kids' behavior, but to connect with them in a way that can get to that root cause, that can then grab them by the hand and run toward that sadness and help them to be, begin to make sense of that so that we can help them in their healing journey and connect with them along the way. 
right, so kind of bridging the section here where we talk about what Jesus came to do, and then the same book of Isaiah, uh, in, in Isaiah 58 here, calls God's people, this is the worship, this is, the, this is kind of the equivalent, the Old Testament equivalent of true and undefiled religion. He's, he's talking about, I don't want your fasting and your worshiping when, when your heart is not right, but he says, these are the things I'm, I'm looking for, that you loose the bonds of wickedness, undo the heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free and break every yoke, bring to your house the poor who were cast out. These are just some snippets of Isaiah 58. And healing shall spring forth if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness and the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen. So this is, this is the type of religion, if you will, that God was calling his people to. And I, I think in the New Testament we, we see it summed up more succinctly that the pure religion involves visiting, which includes the idea of studying, looking after, giving careful attention to um, the afflictions of, of those who have been orphans and, and widows, uh, their distresses, their afflictions. We're to, to study those things, to be aware of, to examine, to look intently is the idea of that. It's not visit, just kind of stopping by. It's, it's an actually getting down on their level and really seeking to, to understand them and to to be aware of and, and sympathetic to their needs, just like Christ is sympathetic to our to our weaknesses. And we looked at this verse last time, Isaiah 117, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, and defend the cause of orphans. And so if, if you have your rooted study guide, um, I thought this is a, a good bridge into the next study on on pursuing holistic health, some of the ways that we can do good in helping our kids actually can can deal with their their practical needs. I was thinking about the concept of the, what's the greatest commandment that, that Jesus affirmed in the in the Bible? Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, soul, and your mind or your strength, depending on the translation. And then the second is like it, so it's not unrelated to that, but it's also like that. You're to love your neighbor as yourself and how do we love ourselves wholeheartedly and in fact Paul talks about no one ever hates his own body but he nourishes and cherishes it and then so we're to love our our wives uh, not just as as ourselves but as Christ loved the church and so that's the great challenge for us as husbands but it's the challenge for all of us as believers we're to love our our neighbors in that same way that we nourish and cherish and and love our own bodies, and that includes our body as well as mind, soul, and spirit, and strength, and, and all those things. And so the, the body and, and the mind and all of that is a part of, is a part of this process here. But I, if, if you look at page 55 through 56, um, I, I think just to give kind of a, a, a scriptural framework, if you will, uh, to this idea of exercise, time outside, stimulation. This, there's just a few minutes we're going to play this clip from a, from a Christian doctor who's also an adoptive parent here. But just Ecclesiastes also in this section of Scripture. Let's, let's read this out loud together. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity, a time to heal, a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace. A time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. And then I don't have the references here, but the New Testament also talks about how bodily exercise is of some value, and, and we're to honor or glorify God with our bodies. We need to have a sound mind. And, and also Jesus, even as he's teaching people, he was aware of and sensitive to their physical needs and, and wanting them to be fed and cared for and things like that. So with that in mind, let me play. Uh, this is uh, the, the fourth video, just the first few minutes of it in the Bruton series.
Bergstrom. I work at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona. I have uh, internal medicine, but my specialty practice is integrative medicine, which means I'm the holistic doctor. I treat not only the disease, but I treat, I, I tell people how to become healthy. That's really the goal of what I do. Uh, from conventional medical perspective, everybody assumes that if you fix the disease, everybody's going to be okay. But there's many people who uh, come to the Mayo Clinic because they feel bad and all their tests are normal, for example, or they have a disease that we can't cure. Uh, the focus of conventional medicine is that we're going to cure that disease, and if we can't do that, we're sort of at a loss at times with what to do with people. So I turn the question around. I talk to people about how to become healthy rather than just ameliorate your disease. I spend a lot of time talking about exercise, nutrition, and stress reduction, which really aren't part of conventional medicine. Uh, uh, conventional medicine is uh, pills and surgery, so we tend not to talk about these other things, but that's really what we all should be doing. I have two children. Nathan is uh, my oldest. He's uh, 31, and my daughter, Lauren, is uh, 28. Uh, and uh, my son lives in Arizona, and He's one with two grandchildren, so I get to see my grandchildren. My daughter's married to a fellow in the Air Force, so she uh, lives with him in Germany. Uh, my wife is uh, Susan, uh, uh, is a RN. Uh, she worked uh, uh, in hospice, uh, but she just retired this year. It's, it's about health, so it's exercise, it's nutrition and stress reduction which looks differently for children than it does for adults. But I think exercise is really important. My daughter had uh, dyslexia and attention deficit, and we found that running was an excellent treatment for her attention deficit. She did eventually need uh, uh, stimulant medicine, uh, Adderall, uh, but not until she was a junior in high school. But we were able to manage uh, a lot of her squirreliness when she, but just by running. Um, so uh, being active is very important for children like this. They need to be able to run and they need to be outside. They need to have a lot of stimulation. Diet I think is really important. I, even though the studies say that this isn't true, my son freaked out when he got red dye and sugar. Uh, so we had to watch that sort of thing. He did better when he ate good food uh, regularly. Uh, stress reduction is uh, uh, an individualized thing. Uh, many children, adopted children, have traumatic backgrounds, so that's a, uh, something you have to work on. But uh, they need ways of learning to calm themselves down. Uh, and uh, they don't always have, they've sort of been on their own, so they don't always have these internal controls. No one's really force them, to, uh, no one's, they, they only have internal controls, I should put, uh, because no one else has shown them that. They uh, weren't comforted when they were upset, so they figured out how to turn their emotions off. Um, they have to learn how to express those in a supportive environment. Um, so running is a good thing. I teach people how to breathe in a certain way, and I think uh, young kids can figure out how to do that as well. Uh, there are certain breathing rates that turn off your sympathetic nervous system and uh, uh, can certainly be taught to young children. So alternative medicine, uh, make some definitions. Con uh, conventional medicine is Western, based on your diagnosis, uh, all based on measurable things. So if you feel bad, we want to do a lot of tests, blood work, x-rays, examine you, and the abnormalities in those uh, tests will give us the name of your disease and then everyone focuses on treating the disease. Complementary medicine are things that you do that are outside mainstream medicine, but we do them along with conventional medicine. So an example would be an essential oil. So. Uh, um, you may be taking high blood pressure medicine or other things, but we know that the way we're built, that certain uh, odors can create different sensations in your body. For example, lavender is relaxing. Uh, and uh, you just breathe that in. Uh, peppermint is good for headaches. and There's a whole 
series of, uh, of essential oils that have different effects on people. I'm all for that stuff. If it keeps you from taking a pharmaceutical, I think that's good. So, there's a lot um, in this whole subject that we could get into, and some of it uh, I, I'm not an expert in, but um, I, I, I bring up these things because the scripture actually speaks in terms of, of the section of your head is injured, your heart is sick, wounds, it talks about things that can help soothe. Um, but I think the, the key is Isaiah thirty twenty six. the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted. And to think about what we can do to, to heal the wounds. And then Isaiah 57 uh, at the end there talks about the Lord says, I've seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him. Peace to him, says the Lord, and I will heal him. And so just on this section here, I wanted to see if, you, if there have been things in, in this whole realm that you have found helpful in, uh, in just the, the calming process. I remember hearing one mom talk about uh, one of her kids from a, a trauma background that when they would get in this, in this it's almost like the, the, the circuit breaker was shut off and the only switch that you could begin to turn things back on for, for her had to do with breathing, learning how to do certain types of breathing. I don't know if anyone else has, had, has uh, learned more about that, but um, there, there is scientific evidence actually that for certain kids, and it's, it's not a universal thing, but for some kids that's actually where it has to start with just get practical, physical things to get them to a place where, like, he, he talked about the other guy before him, it, it took a while before he was able to even have that conversation with his kid and really find out what was going on, but, but the, the learning how to help your kids calm down. Any, anyone want to share anything helpful that you found in that, in that process? without sharing too much, you know, about your kids, but just helpful things. Well, I know that, you know, kids that come from neglect, um, Candace, she's been, uh, uh, her past life before being a mother was being an occupational therapist mm -hmm. and, and did some stuff with pediatrics, and, and you know, I always wondered about it, but, you know, with with, uh, with one of ours, it's the, the idea of the deep pressure, I can just mm -hmm. watch Jedi, when I do that to him, he just calms down, relaxes. Um, so to see it firsthand, you know, the things that she would talk about as, as sensory integration things, especially when, when development's happening, those are, those are real things for, for children, and depending on what the, the neglect was during some of those development uh, cycles, it can, it can definitely have that, but I noticed that is something that it's it's just amazing to watch. I can take his arms and just start doing the deep pressure, and he'll just almost go relax and, and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I always say take it with a, a grain of salt some of these things, but the, there are some techniques that do work, and, and depending on where they're coming from, there can be a lot of things that, that you have to work through for some of that to... Um, to help them, you know, help them develop the, the, the connections for, for different stimulations. Yeah. So what, one of the things I've done just before we run out of time here is on the, and again, these are, these are areas that I'm still learning about, and some of these I haven't, um, like, like Jason said, there's some things that when I first kind of hear them, I'm a little bit skeptical. Um, these are these are some some things that I that I actually have think there's some helpful things to learn from even if there's just like not the whole thing but a certain part of it and so these are some videos um, if it's more helpful than than writing using the URL I've already got the the notes of this online on the sermon audio page you can just go there and, and click on them but here's some some videos uh, these are some short ones these are just three to six minute videos but meeting physical needs to help regulate behaviors. Um, uh, children from hard places, what they need to heal and be whole. Understanding sensory proce processing, understanding neurotransmitters. Uh, I actually hadn't heard any of these terms till this year, uh, but there's some um, some helpful things there. Even for us who, if, if our kids, that might not be a major thing. I think it's it is a helpful thing to, to be aware of and to learn about. And then there's some longer videos on healing. Um, 
the impact of hard places on the brain, beliefs, body, and behavior. That was a very, that's a longer video, but helpful. There's especially a section there I put in there, the 30 minutes to the 43 minute mark. Uh, but there's also an occupational therapist that talks more about that um, in nutrition. So I, I, I give you some of these resources if they're, if, if they're helpful to you, but I, I want to close with this, uh, what the Proverbs have to say about some practical wisdom from our Father as to how to relate, even in the way we interact with them, to those in need of healing. And, and this ties in not, not even primarily with our, our words, but even our, our physical bodies and our posture and the way that we're looking at them and relating to them. So let's just read these out loud together. A cheerful heart or cheerful look brings joy to the heart. A cheerful heart is good medicine. The tongue of the wise brings healing. A trustworthy envoy or messenger brings healing. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing. And then the last part there. My words are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. And so just as you look at those verses, what are some, some thoughts that come to mind in, in what the Proverbs uh, have to say that, that are good for us to think about in the way we interact with our kids as we go from here and as we go home? And what are, what are, What's something that you see right there in the text that you could put into practice? Take a peaceful heart. And I say that because as we... Um, Back in my mind is 
if I was just listening to my tone, is it sweet or is it That can make all the difference in how they receive it. Yeah. Good. Most of those verses just correlate uh, most of the emotions with physical health. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something I, I don't think we think as much about even the way we look at, uh, even just the impact of having fun, being cheerful. Um, and how our, our words can, I mean, we understand how our words can tear down, but really even just the, how the way we speak, how that can bring healing. Um, it's, just, it's just a good reminder for us as we, we understand the gospel, the spiritual is most important. We understand the, the body and the physical is also important in scripture and to, to, to not, not neglect that aspect because that's often the, the pathway to, to making spiritual progress. So our time is gone, but good, good things for us to think about, meditate on. And again, you can uh, look at some of those resources on the back later if you have time. But uh, um, let's see. Uh, Jason, want to close us in prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the things that you're doing. Uh, you brought us together. Uh, we, we are thankful for Pastor Phil and his lady in here. We just pray that you have... Uh, You've given us a lot to think about and resources. I just pray that your Holy Spirit would help to uh, keep these ideas fresh in our heads. I pray for uh, I pray for wisdom and strength from you. I pray for each family in here and, and the things that are going on, that you would just uh, continue to give strength and, and more importantly, that you would give grace to each to, to uh, lead out in their families and in all the different situations. I, uh, I thank you so much for the, the things that you're doing uh, and the resources you've given us here. We just uh, pray now that as we go into corporate worship to prepare our hearts for, for the things that we would be uh, focused on there through the music and the preaching of your word. May we, uh, may we be encouraged. And, uh, we just pray for all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother.